here we go. So we're in this series on faith, and last Sunday I told you we defined what faith is. Uh, faith is being absolutely assured of what we have not yet seen or experienced, and that, that Christianity is a faith. This is the reason why it's called a faith, because everything we do is by faith, because we have not yet seen all the promises of God and all the Word of God come true. We can see His faithfulness in our lives, but we believe a lot of things that haven't happened yet. So it is a faith, and we talk about how faith is rational. Faith is logical. Not having faith is irrational. In fact, not having faith is insanity. Um, people who are scared of everything aren't thinking straight. Uh, that we function by faith in our daily life all day long. We take things on other people's word. Construction inspectors and bridge inspectors and the banking system and food distribution system and the power grid. We, lo- we function on faith all day every day that the stuff we use and do and the people we rely on are just going to be there. And it's the same thing with God. That His word is what it is, and we have faith in him. If you weren't here for that, you can listen to that online if you wish. So we talked about what faith is, what God expects, and why does he expect it? Why does God require faith? Why doesn't he just reveal himself? Why doesn't he just tell us how it's going to turn out, show us how good it's going to be? Uh, instead, we have to accept this by faith. What is he doing? Why is he doing that? That's all last week. Today, I want to explain to you how we can have faith and what are we having faith in? Who are we having faith in? Why can we have faith at all? Not necessarily what faith is, but now that we know what it is, what is our faith in? And who is our faith in? How do we do it? We're going to start in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 7 9 and 10. Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. And he repays those who hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. Here we got another verse where God displays his mercy and judgment in the same sentence. We talked about that three weeks ago. God says, In this verse, I am faithful. I do what I say I will do. And I will show you mercy if you are mine. If you you rebel against me, I will also do what I say. I will destroy you. God is faithful. He keeps his promises. For mercy and for judgment, he keeps his promises. He said, I am the faithful God. I will do what I said I will do. It is coming. It will happen. Deuteronomy 31 God says, be strong and good, of good courage. Do not fear, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. God promises, I will not leave you. I will never, ever turn away from you. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. He doesn't promise that our life won't have tragedies and bad days and people sin against us and stupid people doing crazy things. But he promises that through it all, I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will always be with you. Next verse is from Psalms 9, 9 and 10. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. No one who ever truly, honestly sought God has not found him. God says, I am faithful. I am reliable. I am will be found by anyone who seeks me. Anybody who trusts me, you will not be let down. I will not let you down. Those who know my, your name will put their trust in you. The next verse is also from Psalms seventeen seven. Show your marvelous loving kindness by your right hand. 
O you who save those who trust in you from those who rise up against them. God is the one who saves us from those who rise up against us. You're falsely accused or sinned against. God is our salvation. Notice scripture doesn't put any ifs, ands, or buts, or maybes in there. I am. This is who I am. I am the one who saves you. It is me. Isaiah 50. Isaiah is really pumped up, full of faith, and he's got a little trash talk going on before the the fight here. Uh, He says, The Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. He is near who justifies me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near me. Surely the Lord God will help me. Who is he who will condemn me? This is Isaiah at the press conference before the MMA fight. You know, they get all up in each other's face. Come at me, bro. Come on, come on. You want a piece of me? Come on. God will fight for me. Come on. This is Isaiah, full of faith. Remember, faith is to be fully persuaded, to be rock solid sure that God will back me up, that God will be there when I step out. Here, this is Isaiah saying, come at me, bro. Come on, throw a punch. Let's see. Oh, you, you want to fight me? God is in my corner. I will not be ashamed. That's faith. I will not back down. I am not going to be ashamed that I trusted God because he will show up in my situation. He will vindicate me. I have set my face like flint. I will not be disgraced. That is faith, folks. That is faith. I know who God is and I know what he will do. I will not back down. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. God is faithful. God is faithful. 1 Corinthians 10.13, no temptation has overtaken you except as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, you will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear. So we have no excuse to sin. Because every time temptation comes, there is a way out. There is a way out. God is faithful. And whatever we are tempted to is common to man. Right? So you can't say that you've got it worse than anybody else. Well, you just don't understand how tempted I am in this area or how bad it is. And I just had to give in. No, you are not tempted in any way that somebody else is not tempted in. Your specific temptation may be different than most people, but there's somebody else that's got it just as bad. Another way to test the, or to translate this word temptation, though, is testing. It doesn't just mean tempted to sin, but God will not allow us to be tested beyond what we can bear. Don't you wish Jesus believed in you a little less sometimes? Like, ah, Jesus, I, I cannot do this. And, and he's like, no, you can, Mitch, you can. Like, no, I really don't want to. I, don't, I want you to believe in me less, Jesus. Don't, I, I can't make it through this. And then you do because he knows. He, know, he believes in you more than you believe in you. Obviously, all of us. Like, Come on, Jesus, back off a little bit here. Uh, yeah, you know, you can make it through that fire. You can endure that test. You can pass it. And you are not tested differently than anybody else. Whatever test comes your way is not something somebody else hasn't already undergone. You're not Job. All right? You're not the worst person in this area. Somebody else has got it just as bad or worse than you. And he will not test us 
beyond what we are able. And he will make a way of escape. At the end, there will be victory. At the end, there will be healing. At the end, there will be you win. This is not the end of your story. Don't forget, today is not the last day. Don't judge God by your current circumstances. Judge him by his word. What he said he will do and believe that at the end of your story, the last chapter is, and she was healed. And their marriage was restored. And her grandkids got saved. And the money came. Come on, that's the last chapter. That's the last chapter. You, the last chapter is God is faithful. In 2 Thessalonians 3.3 it says, The Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. Notice scripture, never, scripture states things in absolutes. It never says he might protect you or some people he protects and other people he doesn't. Or there's some situations in your life where God will come through and others you're on your own. No, I am the one who protects you. Yes. Period. So believing that is 100% rock solid all the time, consistent, that's faith. Wondering if that applies today is the definition of being tossed to and fro by waves that James talks about. 1 Thessalonians 5. 23 and 24 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. He will do it. That's an absolute statement. That's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts, or what ifs, or maybes there at all. I will do it. When Jesus returns, your body, soul, and spirit will be made whole. Everything will be made right. Everything will be restored. That's faith because we haven't seen that yet. Faith is choosing to believe that that is true right now, even when we aren't seeing it happen. God, there's still some things broken. There's still some things that have been robbed. Uh, There's still some things that hurt. But faith is, I believe that right there, more than any of my circumstances in my life. This is true. There may be facts about my life, but that is true more than anything else. That's faith, that God will do it. That's faith, that he will do it. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. God's very identity is faithfulness. When we sing the song from the verse in 1 Corinthians that your love never fails, it's not that God doesn't fail, it's he can't fail. It's, it's mathematically, logically, rationally impossible for love to fail. Or it isn't love. It is impossible for God to quit because his identity is faithfulness. Even when we knowingly turn away from him and do something we know is wrong, when we are faithless, he is still faithful. Because he cannot deny himself. Faithfulness is what he is. It's who he is. So if you're having trouble uh, believing that God stuck with you during that time of rebellion in your life, that time when you were fighting him and resisting his commands in your life, you can know that he was with you regardless of whatever choices you made. He is faithful. He stuck with you. And he was guiding your life back to where he wants you to be. Can I get an amen? Amen. This word about God, defining God as faithful, 
comes up in lots of scriptures. I've just given you several. We've got several more coming. God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. What does faithful mean? Well, it literally means, the compound word, it literally means full of faith. But when we say someone is faithful, we don't mean they're full of faith. We mean they're dependable. We mean they're reliable. If you have a faithful employee, or someone is a faithful husband, or a faithful wife, what we mean is, we don't mean they're full of faith, we mean we can have faith in them. Do you see it? I can, my employee is faithful. I use that word to describe the people that I can trust, that I can rely on. If you have a faithful wife or a faithful husband, it doesn't mean they're full of faith that, oh, our marriage exists, our marriage exists, our marriage exists. They're not wishing. Faithfulness means I trust you to be reliable, dependable, trustworthy, responsible in our marriage. You with me? So when we use the word faithful to describe God, we don't mean that God is full of faith. We mean that we can have faith in him because of who he is, because of his character, because he always keeps his word. He always keeps his word. That's what allows us to have faith, is that God is faithful. And actually, the only thing we can have faith in is God's character. Because if he doesn't do what he says, or sometimes he does it and other times he doesn't, or it applies to some people and not others, you can't have faith. Because you don't know. Faith believes that all of God's word is true and it applies emphatically and individually implies, applies to me. And I'm going to live like it's true before it happens. Told you that last week. Live like it's true before it happens. That's faith. So when we say God is faithful, the most accurate picture that Jesus could come up with to give us the definition of faithfulness, the most accurate word that Jesus came up with to define God is Father. Almost exclusively, that's how Jesus refers to God, is Father, and not just his Father, but our Father, right? Hundreds of times, I would suppose, I didn't go and count them, but Jesus refers to God as our Heavenly Father, not just his Father, but ours. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, both God and Jesus are referred to as husbands. So what does a godly, faithful father look like? Some of you know and some of you don't. I'll get to both of those as we go here. What does a godly, faithful husband and father look like? Guys, if somebody made a movie of our lives, it would be the most boring movie ever made. Would it not? We get up every morning and we go and do the same thing every day. We get the house ready or whatever we need to do and pack a lunch or whatever and we go off for 8 or 10 or 12 hours or however much it is and we just work the daily grind. If somebody made a movie of our lives, it would be zero action and all boredom compared to a movie, okay? So we go and we work, whether your work is office work or people work or work in nature or work with machines. Whatever it is you do, you put in your time and you contribute to the world and you make money to pay your bills to take care of your wife and family and you go home and it doesn't end there. You might sit in front of the AC and have a drink and read the news for a while after you get home, but there's a lawn to mow and there's a shed to paint and there's vehicles to maintain and there's you know, kids to take care of and there's all, chores never end. 
I know the ladies, it's all true for you too, but we're talking about God as Father, okay? A faithful, godly husband and father is working hard all the time to pay the bills to take care of his people. And it isn't exciting. It's just the daily grind. And sometimes it's infuriating, and sometimes it's difficult, and other times it's easy. And there's fun days, and there's lots and lots and lots of routine boredom, and then there's really bad days. Can I get an amen? It's all involved. It's all there. And in the evenings, yeah, kids need a little playtime, they need a little spanking, or, you know, wife needs some attention, or there's animals to care for. And once in a while, maybe I get to watch a ball game on a Saturday afternoon, or catch a little fishing time, or whatever, but... But really, it's just, it's, it's routine faithfulness that defines what dad is. That's a good dad. Routine faithfulness. My kids, uh, maybe the thought has crossed their mind, but they don't live with this ever-present fear that I am going to leave them. Why is that? It's because they function in unconscious faith. Because of my faithfulness to Sarah and them. I am no way saying that I'm above sin or that I wouldn't be tempted to. I'm not saying that at all. I realize that that certainly could be a temptation at some point. But they're not even, it's not even on their radar. Right? I asked Sarah this week with my sermon in mind, I asked her one night, I said, do you, ever, do you have any fear of me ever cheating on you and leaving you? And she kind of scoffed at the question even. She said, I don't want uh, you to think that I take you for granted, but no, I don't. And I kind of laughed and I said, yeah, because you know no other woman would have me. And we laughed. But she said, over the course of the discussion, she said, uh, she said you've proven your faithfulness. And, and, and she likewise, but we're talking about dad, father, husband. So... So, uh, of course, she has proven her faithfulness to me, too. But, but we, as we talked about this, we don't have this suspicion, this nagging fear in our hearts of, what if he leaves me? What if she cheats on me? I, I, don't, even, I don't even think that way. Um, partly it's because both of our parents are still married. Our dads never cheated on our moms. Our dads are still present, and, and we have whole families. That's the picture of who God is as a father. But some of you, quite a few of you, did not have that. When I say God's, the picture of God's faithfulness is a godly, faithful father, you think, <laughs> I wonder what that's like. I get that. I understand that some of you didn't know your biological dads. Some of you, your dad left your mom. Some of you, your mom left your dad. You have divorce or adultery or brokenness in your parents or maybe in your own marriage. You need to know that... First of all, I'm really, really sorry that that happened. It's not God's design. It's not his plan. His plan is for married parents to raise children together and take care of them. A lot of us didn't have that uh, for various reasons. And probably all of us dads, even those who are trying to be good ones, we have a lot of regrets. We didn't do it right. Made Bad choices that hurt our kids or wives, grandmas, you did it too. I'm really sorry. It's not God's plan. It's not God's design. It's not what he intended. So because you didn't experience what God designed because of someone else's sin, 
or maybe your own choices, probably a mix of both, you need to know that you don't understand God's faithfulness in the way you're supposed to. You don't have a context, you don't have a grid for what a faithful dad looks like because your dad didn't do it right or your mom or whatever the case is. If you are the dad that didn't do it right, I'm here to say God can forgive you and heal what you broke. If you are the one who had the dad break you or you never knew him at all or whatever, he was just a mess. I don't know what your story is, all of you. You need to know God wants to fill in as your father. So, because you haven't experienced it in your natural family, you have to believe God's faithfulness by faith. You have to choose to believe, okay, my parents didn't do it right, or, or my spouse betrayed me, whatever you've been, wherever you've been through, it is faith to believe that God will forgive me, God can heal me, and God will fill in for the relationships I was supposed to have that I didn't get. So some of you have rock star dads who are awesome, faithful, godly, dependable, reliable, responsible, mature men. And it's easy for you to see God as being somebody who watches over you, who takes care of you, who pays the bills, who's always there. And others of you, like, I, I have a real hard time trusting God. I, I, it's because you learned you had to take care of yourself. You had to fight from the time you were a littlest kid to take care of yourself. God says, hey, I want you to relax and let me be your dad. I'll fill in what you missed. Us dads who just daily grind stuff, go to work every day, day in and day out. I mean, the most boring movie you've ever saw, watched. Same thing every day. Work and chores, bills and the occasional fishing trip. No one would want to watch a movie of our lives. I would guess that most of us, we wish we had a little more heroic lives. I wish I could have a little more valuable heroic, meaningful work. I want action. I want adventure. I need more vacation time. I need more trips to the mountains. I need more fishing. I need a bigger four-wheeler, I, you know, what, or motorcycle, or boat, or whatever it is. We, we long for excitement, but because we are faithful, you go to work the next day too. You don't leave your wife when she gets boring or difficult. You're faithful. That's God. He is not off saving the world. He is living your life with you. Even when you make him mad, even when you disappoint him, even in the boring routines of life, he will never, ever leave you. That's what it means when Jesus says, God is faithful father. He is your dad. He's, we're family. I'm not quitting. I'm not leaving. Even in the really, really bad times. Even when you are a disobedient child. I'm not off trying to save the world. I am living your daily routine life with you. You know, guys, it would be way more fun to be a superhero than to go to work every day. 
What faithfulness is, you go to work every day. You pay the bills. You paint the shed. You mow the lawn. You check the radiator fluid. You know, whatever needs done, that's God. I'm not bored with you. I delight in you. And I do everything I do is to take care of you, to provide for you, to pay the bills, to protect you. Because God, when we say God is faithful, we mean he is reliable. He is dependable. He is trustworthy. He does what he says he will do. He never, ever quits. He never, ever leaves. He never, ever gets bored and goes on for something more exciting. That's the picture of a faithful father. So Jesus says God is our father. The Bible says over and over again God is faithful. When we say faithful, we don't mean full of faith. We mean that we can have faith in that other person. So let's let's look at this again. When we say God is faithful, that doesn't mean God is full of faith, although he is. But that's not what that means. It means we can have faith in them the other person because they're trustworthy because they're a reliable employee or it's a trustworthy husband or wife or you know i trust my kids because they're faithful to obey even when i'm not around or whatever that whatever that means what we mean is dependable reliable trustworthy they always keep their word do you remember last week when i said our faith is not based in our relationship with god remember that i made a little bit of a deal without of that uh because i want you to get that that that's true our we call Christianity a relationship, but, but that word isn't in the Bible. Christianity is a faith. And yes, we have a relationship with God. He's our father, and we're his son or daughter. But, but faith is not based on relationship. And let me prove it to you. Those of you who had rock star, solid, awesome dads, Jesus understands. He's got the best dad in the universe. Those of you who did not have good dads, who you maybe never even knew your dad, or your dad cheated on mom or your dad left the family or your dad didn't take care of you was was a drunk or whatever jesus understands because on the cross scripture says he who knew no sin became sin for us and he was utterly thoroughly violently rejected by his father There is no one in this room who has been more rejected by your terrible dad than Jesus was by his dad. None of us know what that feels like because Jesus said God loves his enemies. He takes care of those who oppose him. He sends his reign on the just and the unjust. All of us, even when you were in total rebellion toward God, God was faithful and good to you. He has never, ever abandoned us, but he abandoned Jesus. He didn't just turn away so that he didn't have to see his son suffering. He said, Jesus, I hate you. I reject you. I damn you. That's the thoroughness. That's the utter extent of the rejection that the Father had for Jesus when he became our sin. So nobody can say, Jesus, you don't understand how it felt with my dad. No, Jesus can say, I do understand what it means to be thoroughly rejected by your dad. To, not be, to be not cared for, not taken care of, that he didn't care enough to ter- come around. However long, here's where we're going with this relationship thing. However long that lasted. I don't know if it was just three minutes on the cross or if it's the whole three days. I, I, theologically, I don't understand that. But however long Jesus was alone, when his relationship with his father was broken, what did he have to live by? Faith. Jesus was brought to the point where he had no relationship with God. All he had was the word of God. He had the promises of God. 
Psalm 16 that says, I will not leave my Holy One to, to abandon in the grave. I don't know what Jesus was thinking in his mind as he's there, but that's got to be one of them. I will not abandon my Holy One to the grave. He had to live by the promises of God. Psalm 27 says, when my father and mother reject me, God will take care of me. I don't know, probably thousands of promises that Jesus had to trust were true in a way that is even more uh, faith is required than any situation we've been in because we've never been without God. Even when we were against him, we weren't without him. But Jesus was. All he had was the promises of scripture. Like, I know the character of my father. Even though he is not being my father right now. So in your circumstances, it may feel like God is not there. It may feel like God is not talking with you. He's not moving. He's not acting. He's not bringing a solution to your problem. The relationship part is maybe iffy. Or maybe you've really screwed it up. Like, you, I know it's my fault. I have disobeyed. I have rejected God. I wasn't obeying. And I messed this up. He is still faithful. Regardless of anything else, his promises are true. He cannot deny himself. He cannot be not faithful. No matter how dark or bad or lonely things get, the word of God is true. That's faith. Hebrews 10.23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He's trustworthy, he's dependable, he's reliable, he's responsible. That's our God, that's our Father. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just, he cannot not forgive you. It's impossible in every literal way. It is impossible for God not to forgive you when you confess your sin. If you have trouble believing he forgives you and he loves you, there's your scripture. He is faithful. He's completely trustworthy. He says, I forgive you. He forgives you. Apart from feelings, apart from circumstances, apart from uh, whatever prayer or spiritual relationship you are feeling or not, his word is true. Believe it. From Revelation 19. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Do you know that one of Jesus' names is Faithful? That is his identity. It's not what he does, it's who he is. Jesus' name is Faithful. Do you know you can address your prayers to faithful try that sometime instead you pray to jesus or you pray to god jesus one of jesus names is faithful pray to faithful sometime it's the same man there's nothing weird about it it's just that's one of his names jesus name is faithful his identity is faithfulness his name is true and his name is the word of god the word of god is faithful and true the word of god is faithful and true it's all the same man It's all the same person. It's all one identity. We can believe every word. Every word in this book is faithful and true. I'm not here this morning to give you specific scriptures for your specific situation. That's your job, to read this book and believe it. 
But I am here to tell you that whatever you find in here that applies to your life, believe that it's true. Say yes. Whatever you find in here, say yes, Jesus, I want that. Whatever you have for me, it's good. I believe it. Believe that what this says about the end of your story and the end of his story is true. Because the word of God is faithful and true. Every single word. Jesus said every punctuation mark (laughs) is true. Jesus said heaven and earth will pass away before one dot of the I or one cross of the T gets deleted out of this book. It's that permanent. It's that rock solid. I got a whole another third of my sermon I'm just going to have to drop. We'll get to it later. I have faith that we can get to it and you will be here. We can do it. I'm just going to stop right there. The word of God is faithful and true. Believe it. Believe it. Your father, your heavenly father is faithful. Whether you know what that looks like or you have to imagine it, your heavenly father is faithful and true. He's good. He's reliable. He's trustworthy. He's responsible. Relax and live in peace. Trust him. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises. Thank you that your name is faithful. Your very identity is faithfulness. Lord, we trust that you are with us. You never leave us. You never abandon us. As we honestly seek you, you reveal yourself to us. As we believe in your promises, you perform your word. Lord, and by faith, we believe right now. We choose faith. And we put our faith in your faithfulness alone. In who you are and what you have said. We believe that you will perform everything you have promised, that your word is true, that you love us, that you are for us, that you will save us and forgive us, that you will heal us and restore us in every way. Even when we are not seeing that, Lord, we choose faith now. We believe it is true and that at the end of the story, we will not be ashamed. We will not be disgraced for having put trust in you. But we will be rejoicing. We will be at peace. We will be celebrating the fact that every single word of your word came true. We say yes now. We believe you. We trust you. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.